Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, and I'm joined, of course, by the man, Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you today, sir? I am doing very well, sir. I hope you are, and I uh, hope you're having some uh, good... Uh, I-, I think today is your first day back from vacation, so I hope you're able to shake the cobwebs off, okay? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working back into it, building back in. Got in a little earlier to the office, you know, and grabbed that extra cup of coffee so I could, you know, really launch into the day and feel like I'm, feel like I'm back with a force, you know? Glad to have you. Well, I'm glad to be here. And we also have uh, another phenomenal guest on the show today. Uh, her name is Paige Adair, and she's an interior designer in Charlotte, North Carolina. Paige, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, good morning. It's good to be here. Well, we are uh, extremely happy to have you. Greg, uh, tell us a little bit more about Paige. How did you guys uh, meet, and, and you know why is she a guest on the show today, basically? Well, I was thinking about this yesterday. I had a plane ride, and I was thinking about our, our talk today on the way home last night. And... I met Paige before Paige was Paige. Um, I knew her parents. And um, so I, I've known her, I guess, since, you know, she was in utero and then later uh, as a human. So <laughs> for we go way all back. Of, so all of her years, I've known her. And um, she she's a special young lady, uh, highly skilled, uh, very smart. And I just enjoy being around her. Um, so, you know, watching her career develop and, and kind of looking at it from the outside, I've just been fascinated at the things that she has done, uh, both educationally and, and professionally. And uh, I just thought it'd be cool to have her on. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at a, a piece of architecture that she did in my house um, when we did a little renovation work. And uh, every day I look out at this particular setting uh, in our courtyard and it's got Paige's name on it, so it's pretty cool. One of my first that's, built works. It's pretty awesome. That's really incredible. So, Paige, uh, you are an interior designer. When did you kind of land on wanting to do that for a career? Was it something that you knew a while back, or was it something that you know just uh, maybe in college or at some point you just said, "Yeah, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. This makes me happy. This is kind of where I want to go with my career." Um, you know, that is a really good question. I think. I've always been really drawn to art and to the arts in general. Um, Like going back through some documents in my mom's basement, I found all my letters to Santa and I've asked for an art kit maybe since I could write. Um, So I knew I was really passionate about the arts and then kind of put it aside when I went to college um, and originally wanting to go pre-law. And so um, my mom and I went to the orientation or whatever and we went to sit in the room And so we're sitting there and this little woman comes in in like a cape, like a little black cape, which like if you're a designer, you get it because for some reason, designers feel the need to wear capes. (laughs) But anyway, um, and so we're sitting in this room and she's like, actually, um, if you're meaning to be in the pre-law room, it's next door. This is this is the art school room. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) And so my mom was like, I think you need to stay here and listen to this. Like, I think you need to listen to what she has to say. And I was thinking like, oh, I don't want to go to a career in the arts because like I'll be starving and I don't know what to do. Um, And so I listened to like her spiel and then I ended up going to school in the fall and I was originally undecided um, and then wound up just like drawing on all my class notes because like economics and those sort of principles came to me pretty naturally. And so I actually remember um, a conversation with Greg, of all people, um, and I was talking to him and just trying to figure it out and what I wanted to do. Um, 
And he was like, well, you know, Paige, anyone can learn business. And if you are creative and you have that passion, then you should pursue it. Um, and that's something that really stuck with me. And I don't know if you even remember that, Greg. Um, I do. And I didn't know if you remembered it. <laughs> so I'm glad that we both remember that day. Yes. Um, so I think just a lot of little experiences led up to that, that career switch. And then I just remember being so nervous on my first day of classes and thinking like, I hope I love this. And I did. So I haven't looked back ever since. What a story. That's really cool to hear. You know, like I said, I haven't watched it, but then hearing you describe it's even, even better. So that's a, a great intro. So what, what do you, you know, Paige, I, I, I'm because my brain kind of jumps around like this. I just hit you <laughs> with a couple of things. What, what are you able to do in interior design that you feel like you're able to, to pull your, your arts passion in? Obviously it, it, most of your work is in commercial buildings, uh, or, or similar. Yes. And a lot of that involves straight lines. Uh, just because of physical constraints of a building. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, I've always been curious of how you blend the the arts and the creative side into 90 degree angles. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I, I've always wondered. And, you know, I, I've seen your drawing, so I know you don't draw in straight lines. Um, so, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so um, how, does, how does that work mentally for you? How And then how do you take that method that you're about to apply to a, to a location and how does that work with the people there that you're supporting as your customer? How, how does that blend all together? And do you solicit information on the front end or do you interview before you design or, you know, how, how does that go? Um, so I think I'll tackle the first part of this question first. Um, but just in terms of like creative process, I think, one of my favorite things about interior design is just that creative problem solving um, and sort of working the pieces together to get something that's right. Um, and for me, a lot of the creativity comes in with like the colors and the textures and the materials um, and just applying those in different ways and being creative and um, where I put texture and color and just sort of that process. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the design process, there are, are tons of, you know, back and forth with the client. Because at the end of the day, like, it's not about what me, about me and what I want. It's about the client and how that space is going to function. Um, because I haven't done my job successfully if it looks great, but it doesn't function properly. Um, and so we have several, several meetings throughout the design process. Um, but a lot of that creativity is just me being able to convey to the client my intent, my design intent. So a lot of that comes in with like renderings or um, presentations and things like that. Um, but really sort of getting the client excited about their future space. I think that's one of the things that I love the most about my job. And if that the, makes sense. Yeah, totally. You know, I just think about it when you, you're talking about renderings, what have you, um, you know, my world is all straight lines, air conditioning and piping and, you know, electrical crap. But there, there's not a lot of 
juice for creativity when you're doing <laughs> mechanical design work. Um, so our conversations are more about functionality and, and redundancy as opposed to functionality and aesthetic. So uh, that's pretty cool that you get to, to help them. Uh, I guess what I, I would think is you help them articulate what they're thinking. I guess is how I'm thinking about it. Like you're, you become the voice in their head that says, okay, this is what I'd like to see. And then you have to convert that over to, you know, a usable office or building or whatever. It's pretty cool. Right. And when I say rendering for those of you who don't know what a rendering is, it's like kind of like a little painting of, of what the future space would look like or like a picture. Um, and so that process is very creative. It's kind of like me painting in Photoshop, um, which is really fun. And I love to do that. So so one of the things, Paige, that as I hear you describing this, that that stands out to me, anyways, is that it feels like what you do and your industry requires a good amount of trust between the client and yourself, right? That they're gonna articulate their vision and that you're gonna take that and create something that that suits their needs, that looks great, and all those things. How do you? build that trust, I suppose, and, and really kind of work at maintaining that particular relationship, because that that seems like it would be a really crucial part to any job. Absolutely. I mean, I think trust is key to any relationship, whether it's a, you know, a work relationship or elsewhere. Um, but I think it just honestly, it takes time. I mean, it takes time proving to that client that you're going to work your butt off to make sure that it's right. Um, and that you you genuinely care about their company as a whole and where they're trying to go um and that you can sort of align your passions in that way um and so i think just through like work ethic and being very transparent with my client um and just genuinely caring about them as a person i think that really goes a long way um yeah so so Paige, in the selection process when you know, your, your client is interviewing different people for, you know, the hiring of the design. How, how do you, do you usually figure out a way to bond with that, uh, group or that person pretty quickly? Like do you, do you get into the, the touchy feely pretty quick or is it more about the, the finished product and the pricing and the timing? How does, how does that typically go for you? I think it depends on the client um, and what kind of relationship they're comfortable with. Um, but I will say I've been working with the same client for a while now, and we do have sort of that touchy feely relationship. I mean, I would say that we genuinely care about each other as people first and then yeah. as clients second. Um, but I think just proving to your client that, you know, their needs are your number one priority. Like I'm not in this industry so that, Paige Adair can come up with a beautiful design. I'm in this industry so that I can serve my clients and that they can be successful in what they need to do on a daily basis and not have to worry about their space. Um, I love if that. that makes sense. You know, it's it, it does. And and a couple of episodes ago, we had a, a guy on here who started out as a client, you know, for my company and then became a friend. And now we're still friends. And neither one of us are doing what we were doing when we met, but we talked about trust and, and that exchange of trust and how you have to have that because it's so germane to, to mutual success. And, um, if you, if you don't have that, 
it's really hard to, I mean, it's not even fun. You know, your, your work should be fun, <laughs> I think. Right. Um, and if you're in this, you know, this little tedious relationship that's all about X's and O's, I just don't think it flows very well, you know? Right. And, and, you know, I, I was with some folks yesterday up in Pittsburgh and, uh, it's the first time I, I had met them in person, several people. And, you know, we, we had that same talk at, at, uh, at a little cocktail reception afterwards about how you, nothing beats a face to face, you know, we can email and we can phone talk and all that it, it, forever, but, you know, just having that ability to sit there and have a, a club soda and talk about life, uh, it just goes so oh, far. Yeah. So I, um, I just think it's, it's just so important. And, uh, you seem to, you, your natural charisma is people are drawn to you anyway. So I could see in a relationship oh, where you. they could <laughs> not hire you. They'd be like, yes, we're hiring you. So. <laughs> well, and I mean, in terms of trust, like, you know, in the design industry and really everything now is moving so quickly. Like it is important to have your clients trust, but I think just coworkers trust as well. Um, as we move into like working remotely and things like that, it's just so important to build those relationships and then maintain them. Um, and to be able to know that your partner is going to get it done. Cause like we don't have the time to micromanage each other's schedules. We're all so busy. So just having that accountability is huge. I think. So that, that uh, comment about the remote working brings up uh, a whole nother dynamic to relationships. And I'm curious, what, what are you seeing in, in the business uh, workplace now, the office environments? Are, are you seeing uh, a return to people coming back to the office or people still leaving the offices going to work remotely? What, what is the trend right now? So that's a good question. I mean, I think as humans, we all have things going on in our lives where we need to work remotely at some point in some time. I'm currently working remotely right now. Um, so, and I just think it's smart for companies to be able to utilize that real estate. So what I'm seeing a lot of is a company, what we would call oversubscribing or overutilizing a floor. So you basically have more employees than you do seats um, because not everyone is always in the office. Um, people are out at meetings. People are working from home. People are sick. People are traveling for work. Um, so that's what we're seeing a lot of. Um, I don't know that I could work remotely every day just because I need materials and I need to, you know, check in with my team, like you said, in person. Um, but I did have a stint where I worked remotely for like a month. Um, while my husband was overseas, I actually went with him for his job and worked remotely. Um, and I think because my senior designer and I had really established our workflows, we were able to just like jump right into it. And it's like, we didn't skip a beat. Um, well, also, I think that also speaks for the, the relationship part of that trust internally is that whoever you're working for or working, you know, with, or whatever you want to call it you have to have that mutual trust, like, you know, pages at here today, but am I worried that she's out screwing off, not getting her work done? And, you know, I know that there's still this elephant in the room with some companies that, you know, the, the 
CEO doesn't want her people working remotely because she can't watch them, you know? And right. I, I and think he, that that's a demographic shift that's fading, but right. I, I know it's still out there. And here's what I would say. This is just my like personal opinion on this. If you can't trust your employees, to get work done when you're when they're not in the office and when you're not looking over their shoulder then like why are you hiring that person you know i um, totally agree with that so i just think is you know especially you know there are two parent households a, a lot of the times now and we just have to be flexible i mean we don't know what's going to happen for example i'm you know in my hometown today helping my mom do some things so as you know, we evolve as a culture. I just think that this is something that's going to continue to um, show up in sort of our workflows. And I just think that trust piece has to be there. It's essential. Yeah, I, I do too. And that that's why I think it, it, as <clears throat> our leadership at companies become, you know, as, as so I, I talk about being a baby boomer. I'm the youngest baby boomer by year of birth, 1964. As people older than I am begin to move out of the workplace and people younger than I am are coming in, it's not foreign to think about working remote or it's expected to work remote even for a lot of people. So, but right. I still go back to what, what you said, you know, that you, you go in, you check on your team, you, you, you know, huddle up or whatever you want to do, but it, that having somewhere to do that's important a you know and that's what keeps that trust in that relationship so that when your name pops up on my skype meeting you know I, i'm i've got a visual of you because i just saw you last week i don't have right. to see you every day so right. i think that that's important in that trust uh exchange mm -hmm. tyler what what do you what do you guys do over there are you are you uh do you work remotely some or are you in the office just due to the equipment that you have to have access to or how, how does that work for you guys yeah we are we are very uh office focused um kind of not so much in the idea of people need to keep an eye on us or, or anything like that but more just for that kind of close-knit team mentality as we are mm -hmm. still a younger company just kind of building and growing together um i think is an important aspect of things and also we have uh, here at market scale, just uh, various departments that all need to work together. And at times it's just better to all sit together and say, okay, what can we do here? How can we flesh this out in a different way or in a better way and that sort of thing. And so for us anyways, um, with where we are in the, in the company's kind of life cycle, it's, I, I think it's good that everybody is in the same office right now uh, because we're still at a point where uh, it's it. There, there's a lot of value in walking over to somebody's office and talking face to face. Yeah, um, for us too. anyway. Yeah, um, and, and and I I appreciate and and you know kind of support that that mentality just for where we are right now. But my wife has worked remotely in the past and it's worked great for her. And so you know I I I see how both sides can work and it just uh, I think it's a case by case thing as far as what works best for any given company. Yeah. Right. Well said. Um, can, can I, Paige, can I ask a question? Um, uh, I've, I've noticed in, in recent years that uh, HGTV has turned some interior designers into celebrities and that uh, <laughs> there have been very famous and very popular television shows that have come out of, uh, you know, HGTV. And, uh, you know, people watch, uh, you know, be it, what is it? Um, 
what's the one with Chip Fixer and Joanna Upper. Gaines? Fixer Upper, yeah. yes, down here in Texas. And yeah. um, it's it's interesting because I know you do commercial, uh, mainly commercial interior design, and they're doing residential. But I, I just in talking to people, um, as my friends buy homes, and as my wife and I bought a home. We, you, you kind of run into a lot of people that watch five episodes of Fixer Upper and then they are interior design experts. Do you, do you ever run into that in the commercial space at all? Just people that, uh, that watch a lot of, you know, HG, HGTV and feel like, okay, I know everything there is to know about interior design or, you know, self-proclaimed mm-hmm. experts by any means? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question. I don't run into that as much in my field, mainly because, um, in order to do commercial interior design, you typically have to go to an, an accredited university um, to be able to obtain that profession. But I think we see that a lot more sort of in the residential side. Um, and it just makes me think like, I don't know if you guys experience this, but when I go to the doctor, like I've already web MD'd all of my symptoms and I walk in thinking like, <laughs> I know exactly what's wrong with me. Right. So I think we're just sort of in this age where there's so much information like at our fingertips and we think that we're all experts in everything. Um, So it it doesn't affect me personally on like a day to day basis. I think Hmm. it causes a lot of confusion about what I do. Um, Like a lot of people think that I'm basically Joanna Gaines. I love Joanna Gaines. Like I love to watch her show. I find it really entertaining. you, You didn't go to Baylor. (laughs) <laughs> right i did not go to baylor and and i actually think she may have i think she did go to school for design mm. um but you know i don't fluff pillows like i don't i i'm more of like an interior architect i guess i could say right um, right so so uh, along those same lines then are, do you prefer clients that are hyper engaged in the process and ask a lot of ask a lot of questions and um yeah, for lack of a better word, very engaged in the process? Or do you prefer clients that kind of give you their vision and then are hands off and kind of let you work and let you do your thing? You know, I think there's a lot of beauty um, to both of those sort of client roles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is it is always sort of easier when a client understands the process just because they understand that it takes time and that, you know, we go through these certain phases of design and what you expect with each phase. Um, and then of course, construction doesn't happen overnight. So it's good to have a client that sort of understands that process. Um, but it's also really rewarding to be able to educate a client on that Mm. process. Sure. Um, so I think it it really goes both ways. Yeah, I I could see that. I, I could appreciate that. Uh, the, that I like the hybrid model, you know, I like Mm -hmm. the, be able to sit down on the front of a project and talk about it and understand what the need is and then <clears throat> go into your dark room, you know, and, and get out my straight edges. Cause again, I can't draw curvy mm-hmm. lines and, you know, you get to do your little magic and then come back and present it. And, mm-hmm. you know, that presentation day is always cool. Cause you're like, okay, here's what I cooked up. I hope they love it. And right they don't have to love it day one, but you at least want it to be liked. So then you can together finish it, you know, the thought. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like that, the tension of that moment, but it's also nauseating because um, <laughs> you're worried <laughs> that they won't like it. And Tyler, right. I would, I would think you, you have those moments too. Like, you know, today you flipped over 
a, a piece of uh, content for me to look at. And, you know, I would think that you, knowing you now uh, for this period that I have, I would think that when you shoot that off, it, it, it well, I, I should ask, is there that moment where you're going, God, I hope he likes this, or I don't really care if he likes it or not. He's, he's, he's getting what he asked for. <laughs> you know, how does that work for, for you on the, on the delivery side? Oh yeah, for sure. There, there's always that moment of, um, of kind of trepidation almost, uh, where, where you, you know, you hit, you hit send and then you think back and you think, okay, yes, we, we followed every step of a process that we believe puts out a really good quality piece of content. And I look back and I think, yes, I followed these steps, but should I go back and check and just make sure everything is spelled correctly one more time, you know, or should I go back and listen through, you know, all of the audio one more time just to make sure there are no hiccups or no spots that I want to take out or change. And there's a certain point that you reach and Paige, I'm sure you, you, you feel this way as well, where you never really have an end point. I suppose you just have, okay, look, I've spent this much time on this. It's time to, you know, put a bow on it and send it off. Uh, and because I could spend, you know, Forever. I could spend hours and hours and hours on this mm-hmm. project. Right. And right. at a certain point, it just, it just needs to be done, you know? Right. And so you, you swallow that a little bit and hit send on the email and, uh, just kind of sit back and, you know, take a deep breath and hope that the next email you get is a positive one. Absolutely. That's really, that, that's really cool though, to think about we're all three in different industries, but the the need to deliver to your person of, that you're in that relationship with is important to all of us. You know, we we want to be able to, I want Paige to enjoy having her, you know, I think it's your first ever podcast, but I, I yeah, want that true. to be fun for you, you know? So the expectation of you coming in knowing me is that we're going to have our crap together and things are going to go relatively well. And if they didn't, you would, I think you would say, oh, well, you know, so what? We screwed up a little bit. But my expectation is that you have a great experience. I know Tyler wants me to have one, and I want him to be able to have something good content-wise to work with. So it's really cool mm-hmm. how, how that uh, whole little circle uh, creates itself. And and Tyler, you, you know, talking about the... Uh, you could work on it forever tweaking it i I forgot i think it was van gogh that said there's no finished painting it's just one that you quit working on Um, (laughs) and i remember back in 1999 uh, my wife and i started our company and we're we're both pretty uh focused on on having stuff done right and and doing it well and we were working on uh, maybe the logo or some little piece of, of our public facing side of the company. And we worked on it and tweaked it and, you know, just like beat it to death. And finally, I remember we came to the conclusion of don't let perfection stand in the way of greatness. And uh, I always remembered that, you know, it's, and then, you know, Dave Jones uh, talked about that Tyler when he said, you know, if he, when he's looking to hire people, he doesn't want somebody that wants 101% ready before they launch. He's right. looking for 80 to 85% ready, launch it and tweak it as you go. And mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was a cool uh, sentiment, but 
when you were describing that, you know, you could work on it for hours and nobody would even know that last, you know, point ten percent of perfection you got it to. Right. Because they don't they don't we're not educated enough to know your business that well. So mm. pretty cool. That's a, that's a good point. You know, I, I heard, a, I was listening to a podcast where I heard, uh, you know the song uh, Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen? That's the same song that they sang at Chris Cornell's funeral. Right, right. Yeah. They uh, Leonard Cohen wrote 80 verses to that song and then because he could never settle on the ones that he liked the best. And so worked on that song for, I think, somewhere around 8 to 10 years, um, wow. never feeling like it was tweaked and, and perfect. And he met Bob Dylan in Paris, and they sat down, and Bob Dylan was like, oh, yeah, I just wrote this album last week and recorded it, and now it's done. And it's just two different ways of, of approaching art, I suppose. And so, you know, there's one way where it's like, you know what, I sat down, I cranked it out, now it's done. And then there's the other guy who, you know, spent eight years writing one song and has 80 verses to it that he's, got, that he's trying to perfect and whittle down and, it, you know, reality lies somewhere in the middle of those two very extreme examples, right? Where at, at some point you just sit down and say, I've done the work on this that I can do. And this is where this needs to, to be done. And Paige, I'm sure that uh, on some level you, you identify with that. You know, with design, it's especially difficult because there's not a right answer necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that's with any creative process, like you were mentioning, Tyler, it's kind of the same, but you know, we've been given a fee and so we have to get all of our work done within that set amount of time. Um, and then to your point, it's never done. But I think about people who work in a job like finance where like there is a right answer. I just think <laughs> that would be so interesting because it's so different than what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, well, but that's well, sort of the beauty in it, I guess. Yeah, it, yeah. If, if you read Warren Buffett's uh, annual letter to the shareholders this weekend, he would dispute the fact that there is a right answer, right answer on accounting. There was three pages <laughs> of attacking the gap procedures, Ooh. but uh, pretty funny, but well, Paige, we're, we're getting up on our, our shoulder time here. Um, really insightful. Uh, I love the way that you, you think and that you're able to tell the story of taking what to me is very, uh, a dimensionally, you know, finished product like a building and then being able to update it <clears throat> into a manner that matches the vision of the client and the capabilities of you and, and make it you know, like you're, you're taking a cloud and making it fit into a box. So I, I think that's really cool. Cool story. Thank you for, for uh, telling us how you go about it. Absolutely. And I think I would be remorse to say, I mean, I have an incredible team of people that I work with on a day to day basis. So it's Absolutely. not just me. We, we do it together, but um, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's that team mentality that I that I've enjoyed learning a little bit more about and just that trust that not only exists between you and a client, but then you and the rest of your team to understand that people are going to get things done and that um, especially in a creative process, that there's a trust that the person is going to um, that the person is talented and the person knows what they're doing and that sort of thing. Cause that can be hard for me, especially in a, a creative field to hand something off. You know, if I take this piece of audio that we're recording right now and hand it off to someone else to edit, just trusting that they know what they're doing and that they're going to see it, uh, maybe not in the exact same way I would, but in a way that when you listen to the finished product, you'd still say, yes, this is good. That's really right. hard for me. And so having that trust between teammates, I think is huge. Yeah. And I think I just started mentoring like my first junior designer and, 
I mean, so there's something just so satisfying about seeing her work on a presentation and just nail it. You know, you just feel like a proud papa. You're like, man, <laughs> this is great. So hopefully like we continue to do that with the next generations of the workforce and just keep getting better. So. I, I, I love that page that that's so important and yeah. you know, you're, you're paying it forward. So thank you. But Tyler, you want to sling us around the home base and let's wrap this puppy up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put a bow on it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Thank you so much to Paige Adair for joining us on this episode as well. And of course, uh, we're going to be back with more episodes, right, Greg? Absolutely. We we have you know I, I'm still flabbergasted at the uh, the people that have been so gracious with their time uh, and just you know taking an hour out of their life and and you know, just basically because I asked them to, uh, <laughs> I haven't mailed the checks out yet, but, um, it's, it's just very honoring and humbling that we're able to connect with people who, who are, you know, meaningful in my life in some way or the other and, or, uh, in other people's lives. So it's just really cool to learn. And, um, you know, the older, the older we get, the more we realize that that spider web that we live in, is really connected in a lot of different points. So you got to take care of it all the way through. So, yeah. Paige, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was so fun. I really enjoyed a- it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a blast. Greg, we'll do it again soon. Thank you, Tyler.